It is good to see each one of you here. And it is good to see the smiles. If that's the worst thing I yell at you about today, that's pretty good, right? I'm not going to yell at you. I might throw some at you, but I won't yell at you. No, just kidding. Thank you. Somebody knows I'm joking anyhow. <laughs> You're not recording yet, are we, Stephen? Oh, we are. <laughs> we got to figure, figure, I'll give you the high sign or something. Anyhow, open God's words to Acts chapter 2, if you would. I think we're actually going to finish the second chapter of Acts today. Does anybody know how many weeks we've been in Acts already? We have a doubter back here, but I don't know how long it's been. I didn't look at the calendar, but I know it's been a couple months. There's a lot of good stuff here. It's the birth of the church. And um, some some things were very specific to that time that, that don't carry forward into once we've been established, once the church, the body of Christ has been established. So there were some very unique things happening here at this time. But the really cool part is, is that the same Holy Spirit that was working so effectively then is the same Holy Spirit that we have access today. The, the Holy Spirit that indwells us, the Holy Spirit that seals our salvation, the Holy Spirit that gives us power, that fills us to carry out God's work and what He wants us to do. Just a, a quick review of last week, the, the verses 37 to 40. It says, now when they heard this, and who is the they? Um, think, think back. I know we've been here for a while, but this goes back to we're still on the day of Pentecost. A lot has happened. And so in the day of Pentecost, they, the, the 120, the disciples and the apostles had gathered in the temple. And when the Holy Spirit came with the sound of a mighty wind, it got the attention of everybody around. So the Pharisees came from their part of the temple. The Sadducees came. There's a lot of different ideas that came together here. But in verse 37, they say, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Now, it's, it's, it's interesting because Peter, from what I can tell, now we don't know that we had every word of his sermon, but he started preaching in about verse 14. And, and we're here now at the end of his sermon in verse 37. He might have preached for 10 or 15 minutes. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, the words that he said were used for great effect. To pierce their hearts, to, to convict them of what he'd been preaching about, that, that Christ had come but they had turned their back on their Messiah. That Christ was the Lord, he was sovereign, and that, verse 36 there, certain that God had made him had made Christ both Lord and Messiah. That he was the, their spiritual savior, 
and they had crucified him. The Holy Spirit used that message to convict them and pierce them. And we pointed out at the end of verse 37, brethren, what shall we do? Brethren indicates that they had accepted Christ. They, 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 they were of one mind, okay? That's why they called them brethren. We'll, we'll hit some more of that in, the, in today's message about the, the unity. But like, and they, they said, what, what should we do? And it wasn't like the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 that said, what must I do to be saved? These fellows are saved because they've already repented because they're brethren. And he says, what, what, what do we do? How can we fix this? What can we do to make this right? Peter says, repent, be baptized. And the repentance, it involves a change of attitude and a change of direction. Walking towards the world in sin, to repent means to change our heart, but it also means to change our position and our attitude to be sanctified to God from the world. Okay? So it's a change of position and it's a change of attitude. Verse 39, the promise is for you, your children, and for all those that are far off. It's for all generations, all nations, all people. The salvation is for everyone. It's made available. <clears throat> Excuse me, and, and we'll, we'll hit that again later on in today's message. So in verse 40, we're, we're going to, our passage today is verse 41 to 47, but in verse 40, with many other words, Peter solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this crooked generation or this perverse generation. In other words, we're supposed to be separated from the world. In the world, but not of the world. Okay? So, verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Huh, too bad that doesn't happen every Sunday, huh? And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for these words and the, the a further description describing of the beginning of the church in Jerusalem. And Father, we know that, that some of what they did is, is very specific to that time and doesn't carry forward into the church today, but obviously the reason and, and your Holy Spirit is definitely the same today as it was then. There's no doubt. Father, open our eyes, open our hearts. Help us to meet with you today over your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 41, So then they had received his word, were baptized. Okay, again, who had received his word? We, we, don't, we don't have an attendance sheet here. We, we don't know the specifics. Um, 
Maybe, maybe there were some Pharisees and Sadducees that came to Jesus on this day. That they, because they were part of the group gathered in the temple there. And if there were 3,000 saved and, and brought into the church that day, there's a real good chance there was probably a few Pharisees and Sadducees in there. And how cool is that, that those who were so against Jesus, when the Holy Spirit convicts them, pierces them to the heart, what can happen in their lives, what can be changed in their lives. I forgot, I was going to make a comment on the, on the, uh, the title of the, the message today. It's taken straight out of verse 42 there that we're coming up to, but kind of sounds like a Baptist church, doesn't it? Fellowship and eating? No, that's part of it. It's biblical, all right? It's very biblical. Nothing wrong with that. As long as we do it in moderation. All right. So then those who received his word were baptized. They were added that day about 3,000 souls. Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit could do that. Okay? Peter, Peter spoke through the power of the Holy Spirit, and his message was what the Holy Spirit directed him to, to preach. And, you know, powerful things come in small packages. From, from, from the text, like I say, we don't know if we have verbatim his message, but from the text, his message wasn't real long. But the Holy Spirit was working. The Holy Spirit was stirring hearts to draw them to him. They were continually, verse 42, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, if you go back with me, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I, I like to see, as, as we go through the book, go back and, and, and draw themes or or things of emphasis uh, through the book. And verse 2.14, excuse me, Acts 1.14 says, With one mind, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Okay, so they were continually devoting themselves. And, and, you know, key phrases that the author likes to use in verse 42 of chapter 2. And they were continually devoting themselves. And if you look at chapter 6, verse 4, This is where they, where they took some of the responsibility off the elders and made trustees to, to carry out the food uh, part of the, the, the ministry. But in verse 4, it's in the, in the, the, the apostles were saying, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There's a, there's a repetitive theme going through here that, that Luke wants us to see. We need to be devoted. It's, it's not just a, a, a passing thing, okay? If I pick up God's word once a week, I'm probably not real devoted to it. You could say I'm more devoted to my TV show, or I'm more devoted to eating food, or I'm more devoted to personal hygiene, whatever. Not that those things are bad, but it shows us how we're lacking in our need to be devoted to the Word of God. We need to be devoted to the church. These guys were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, they were continually 
hungering for the word. They were continually um, learning. Uh, they, they didn't have the, the New Testament written down for them at this time. So the spoken word of the apostles was very important in their spiritual growth. So they were there to listen and learn from Peter at this point. Peter is the one preaching, but to the they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, okay? To fellowship, and, and that is, as we'll see in the next couple of verses, is, is very involved here. But the fellowship of the believers. Guess what, folks? We need each other. We need you. You need us. Talk about the body of Christ having many members. If the knee doesn't want to be a knee and says, I'd rather be a hand, it's not going to work. We each have different gifts and we need to fulfill those gifts in the church so that the body can function in unison together. We need you to be here in the fellowship and you need to be here for the fellowship so that we can lean on each other, so that we can grow, so that we know how to pray for each other. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. And in the next couple of verses, we'll see that this breaking of bread refers to eating meals together as well as the Lord's Supper. Communion, the special time where we remember the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for us. But this here is also talking about they got together to eat. So... I'm looking forward to the potluck Friday night because we'll be able to be together to fellowship, to eat together. And they were devoted to prayer. Again, um, Erwin Lutzer saying that most Christians don't spend three minutes a week in prayer. And 50% of the pastors, and this is evangelical pastors, okay? 50% of the pastors spend more than seven minutes a week in prayer. So that means 50% spend seven minutes or less a week talking to God. I don't think that falls into the category of continually devoting Last week we shared that there's only 11% of evangelical Christians that read the Bible every day. They're they're not talking in-depth, digging deep study. They're just saying to just read the Bible every day. So so in this group, there's probably three. You know, that's just the numbers, and I'm, I'm hoping that it's a lot higher here. But if you want to know why the church isn't growing like you wish it would or think it should... Probably one of the reasons is because we're not praying and we're not in God's word like we should be. Statistics. I would say that the church in America is utterly failing at the continually devoting part. The continually devoting. We're we're not devoted. 
We're not committed. We just aren't doing it. That's why the church in America is so anemic, so lethargic, dare I say close to almost dead, is because we are not taking this seriously. We are not continually devoting ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God, to fellowship, to eating together, to praying. And that prayer there doesn't indicate if it's in, if it's a, a individual prayer or group prayer, but as much time as these folks were were spending together, in, in this case, it would lend itself in, in the context to being praying together as a group. Verse forty three. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Turn with me to Psalm 19. One of my favorite psalms. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, excuse me, yes, moreover, by them, thy servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Keep, keep your hand there in Psalm, but if you kept your finger in Acts, he says, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And, and that, that sense of awe, if we look in, in Psalm 19.9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Is the, the fear of the Lord is a, is a reverential trust. It's an awe. Who, who is worthy of our worship? He is worthy. Christ is worthy of our worship. But there, should, there, there needs to be a reverential awe. We don't flippantly say his name and throw it around. We treat his names with respect. We treat his words with respect. And in, in that verse... It, the, the fear of the Lord is clean, but the, the fear part there, it also includes a hatred for evil. 
And maybe that's part of our problem, uh, along with the continually de- not, not continually devoting as we should to the reading of the word and to praying together. There needs to be a hatred for evil. When God's word is preached, trust me, Satan doesn't like it. I am sure that Satan hates it when the word of God is preached. We need to have an even even stronger hatred for evil, a hatred for sin in our lives. The term pierced to their hearts. They were convicted by the Spirit. When we sin, there should be a, a piercing of our hearts. We should shudder. We should cry out, Lord, forgive me. It should, it should be an emotional thing. Hatred. <laughs> I wasn't going to do this. <laughs> Two football teams played yesterday, and there's usually a lot of hatred for one another on that field with good cause and good reason. There's a lot of emotion shown on a football field, Right? We need to have that kind of emotion. And hey, Beth Beth always tells me that she can't wait for the day that I learn how to preach with the excitement and enthusiasm I have when I'm watching a particular team play football. And when I do, folks, you better look out. (laughs) You better bring your hearing aids and turn them down. Or earplugs. But as, as much excitement and energy and enthusiasm and hatred as there is, on that football field is the kind of hatred that we need to, even greater than that tenfold hatred for Satan and for sin in our lives. Just think 1 Corinthians 1 when Paul's chastising the church in Corinth for sins that they're committing that the world isn't even committing that shouldn't be named among us. We need to have a a hatred and an anger about that sin in our lives. There's a reverential awe and fear of the Lord. And in verse 43, they were of Acts chapter 2, they were feeling that sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now, in, in this, folks, only God can limit the Holy Spirit. I, 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 don't, I, I don't say what the Holy Spirit can and can't do. That's not my place. That's God's place. Um, but one, one of the things to focus here, and it's just a quick note, and we'll move on. It says the signs were taking place through the apostles. All, all the gifts that were given here and, and all the working that was done here by the Holy Spirit was not given to every believer, was not given to everybody in the church, okay? It was given to the apostles at a very specific time for a specific purpose at the birth of the church. So the signs were taking place through the apostles. Verse 44, all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions. They were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Okay? There's no instructions or guidance in God's word that we should be doing that today as the body of Christ. Okay? 
So, so it's not something that, that we're falling short of, okay? That this was for this group at this time at the very beginning, that they were selling things and, and coming together. And some people say, well, well, this is it. This, this is utopia right here. This is, you know, a form of communism essentially is, is what that was. But folks, this isn't communism because communism isn't voluntary. This was voluntary. Uh, this was temporary. Communism wants to take over and be a totalitarian forever control. That isn't this. And communism is not motivated by love. This was motivated by love for one another, for caring for those that had need. Think of, I'm just thinking of, of joining the, the meals in that and, and, and thinking, looking forward to communion in 1 Corinthians 11, is that they're, 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 the warning there was that some were coming, they were eating ahead of time, and they were coming, they were drinking wine, they were getting drunk, that it, that it wasn't the right way to do it. And, and this was, was not about greed. This was not about some hoarding. This was about everybody sharing together and meeting one another's needs. Now, is there anything wrong with us doing that and helping each other, reaching out and giving some food to people that need it or, or a coat to be to hands in the feet of Jesus? Absolutely, we must and we need to be. But it's not compulsory that you, you sell your house. Now, if you have eight houses, maybe you could sell a few of them and share, you know. Um, but that's, that's not what this is saying here. This is saying, uh, telling us what, what was happening at this time and the way that the Spirit was working and growing, the beginning of the church. So again, there's, there's no directive for us to sell everything and, and share. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are some TV evangelists that would, that would uh, tell you that you need to do that. And of course, you need to send it in to them. Don't give it to anybody in your church locally. Send it to them. No, no, that's not what it's about. Okay. Verse 46. And day by day, continuing with one mind, briefly again, in verse 14 of chapter 1, they were with one mind. And can anybody give me any other reference that I'd like to refer to when we're talking about one mind? Philippians chapter 2. And that mind is not to be your mind. It's not to be... Have, have, have I ever said this? Anybody, does that sound familiar? It's not to be of your mind. It's not to be of my mind. It's to be of the mind of Christ. Because if you have the mind of Christ, I have the mind of Christ, and you have the mind of Christ, then we're focusing on Him, and we're not so concerned about what I want. We're more concerned about what He wants. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Another one of my favorite words. Can anybody give me the picture illustration for the word sincerity? Two words. Okay, I'm going to have to start saying this more and using it more because... What did you say? No, I was just repeating the word. Trying to say. Okay. Sincerity. Without wax. Without wax. 
The potter made a pot. And the scrupulous potter made a pot that set it in the sun and it dried too fast and it cracked on the back. Would melt some wax and fill in the crack so it didn't look like there was any problem with it. And then they'd put a little dust or sand or wood over to, to make it blend in. Talk about cracked pots, okay? But to be sincere, to be without wax. To be sincere is to be a pot that is not cracked, that is not fake or false. So here they were, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. There was no bad motives. There there was no... There was no cracks. They were genuine. They were real. They didn't put on a facade. They weren't two-faced. They weren't hypocrites. They were sincere people. That's what we need to be. We need to be without wax, okay? To have one mind, to be sincere without wax, and, and several of the commentators I study also point out here that at this point, there's no denominations. There's one body. There's one body. There's one church. The church of Jesus Christ. There wasn't Baptists. There wasn't Lutherans or Presbyterians or Episcopalians or Catholics or Hare Krishnas or Muslims. There wasn't whatever. They were of one mind because it was the mind of Christ and there were no denominations. Not in the church. Now the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there's a history there that we can see that the beginning of it from time, that that's what man's going to do. You don't believe the way I do, so get out, go have your own group. I got my group over here because we believe this. We believe there needs to be more rules. We don't believe in the resurrection. Well, we believe that you can sprinkle for baptism. That baptism, although it means immersion, doesn't have to be that way. We, you can do it whatever way you want. We need to have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, and we are sincere to his words, to his truth, we don't need names. We can call each other Christians or brethren, brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Having favor with all the people. Um, Romans twelve eighteen. just jot it down, we won't turn there. Romans 12, 18, as much as is possible, live peaceably with all men. Again, it's so much easier when we have the mind of Christ. When I am putting other people before me, as we see in Philippians 2. Be of one mind. Be of the mind of Christ. Having favor with all people. 
Now, it doesn't, doesn't mean that there aren't going to be some that just don't want to get along with you. you. You can't affect that side of the equation. You can't affect your side of the crea- crea- equation. Excuse me. You can affect your side of the equation. You can affect through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's word what your heart does and how it sees those around you. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but Christ gives the increase. Christ is the one that convicts through, through his Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ is the one that pierces the heart. Paul's message would have fallen flat if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. When we preach the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that the Holy Spirit will convict people of their sins and that it will draw us together in unity in the mind of Christ to live peaceably with all people. And sometimes we just need to get out of the way so that the Lord can add to their number day by day, those who were being saved. That's something we don't see so much anymore. And I know we're a small community. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great to see people saved day by day? Wouldn't take very long to have Newberry be all saved, huh? Because we're not that big. But what a... What a testimony that would be. At the end of Peter's first sermon there, again, it didn't last too long. Verse 40, it does say that he kept exhorting them and encouraging them. So where, where is your heart? Are you continually devoting your heart and your life to the teaching of God's word, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Where 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 are you? Do, do, do we blow those numbers out of the water that, that Erwin Lutzer keeps sharing? I, I would hope we're closer to, you know, let's go crazy and say 90% of everybody in here reads God's word every day. And let's let's say hopefully all of us spend more than seven minutes a week in prayer. Because that's even high for pastors, if you can believe that. Yeah, I see some people shaking their head. I agree, I'm with you. So where are you at? Next week, come back different than you are today. Maybe you'll lose that pound or two of pumpkin pie, but that's not what I'm talking about. We need to be different spiritually next week, tomorrow, Tuesday. We play that church video again. The church is not where you're at. 
The church is where you go. You are the church. You need to be telling the world out there about Christ. We, okay, I'm not excluding myself. We need to be telling the world. The church is to be deployed. We are to go out. How are we doing? Yes, we need to fellowship together. We need to study together. We need to pray together. We need to love each other in fellowship. We need to be here to meet each other's needs. But we can't keep it all here. The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Pray that for our community. Pray that for our world through our missionaries. But pray that for our community through you. I I just got a bunch of that look. Me? I got to do something? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Father, thank you for your word. God, challenge us. Wake us up. But as a small body of believers here in Newberry, Father, maybe the reason we're not seeing souls saved daily is because we're not devoting ourselves to the ministry, to the fellowship, to the study of your word, to prayer. Father, come and work here in Newberry, please. Work in our hearts. Challenge us to be continually devoted to the teaching and the learning and the praying together. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you for salvation through him. Keep us through this week and help us not to go a minute of this week without thinking about you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dismissed.